Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build with Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with zesty zealot Chris Prunty, as well as our ongoing special guest, Daniel Quinn. On today's episode, we are interviewing Logan from the Runesmith. And honestly, this interview was a lot of fun, and we're just going to go ahead and roll right into it. All right. We are honored here today to have Logan from the RuneSmith here with us. Uh, Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, welcome right. back to, I believe, our third attempt at yes. this. Yes. Technical, right. diffi- te- technical difficulties aside. <laughs> Give uh, them a bit of insight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we had such amazing conversations before. We really got to know each other like deeply from the soul. But we're going to have to like start over again. Connected. Exactly recording in history yeah you, you missed the art that was those previous eight minutes so logan why don't we roll right into this why don't you give us a little bit of a, a quick little summation for those of us who don't know who you are uh, i'm kind of just a guy who sits in his room and writes a bunch of scripts then records them and makes videos and then sits in his room again there's nothing wrong with sitting in your room especially yeah. when you get like such good content as the runesmith and uh <laughs> Why don't you tell us, you know, what the RuneSmith is all about? Okay, so it's essentially uh, like college presentations where I explain folklore or world building techniques to people. And then I throw in some poop jokes to make it interesting and entertaining. You got to keep the attention somehow, right? Yeah. Yeah. YouTube is a pretty good platform for uh, edutainment nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. yeah, and why don't you go ahead and tell us about your most recent video, uh, one that you, it's, it's a little bit of a departure compared to yeah. your other stuff. Okay, so I started my channel for the most part doing Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition content. And I really just, as someone who was more interested in writing from the get-go, I want to kind of step away from that and just look at writing as a whole or as folklore as a whole. And I, I tried doing uh, some Jewish mythology visiting kind of the the origin of what a golem is i got a couple minor errors in there but that's i think only because i'm trying to step out of my comfort zone so you can't ever really do something perfectly the first time but hopefully it's a lesson for me moving forward to give lessons to you oh absolutely i mean it's uh, it's a matter of growth right like if you're not constantly failing there's no room for growth there yeah 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 uh so not failing you're not doing anything Absolutely. Uh, I mean, those previous three attempts were just us learning, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of the runesmith and the man behind the whole channel, um, we were curious about your origin story, Um, you know, because when we think of world builders, um, I wonder what the leap of faith was for you when you decided to go out on your own and set up your channel. Yeah. So I have a a pretty complicated history with uh, just entry level jobs working from I did a bunch of stuff. I did work at a Christian camp, being a groundskeeper and kind of one of the the social leaders. I worked as a door-to-door vacuum salesman for Kirby and never sold anything. (laughs) I worked at a hotel. I did actually, um, there's this thing called Funflix where they basically have a bounce house version of a TV that you can order for events like birthdays and school events and stuff. So I would drive that out 
blow up a big ass TV and then set up a projector and just host events for people. Oh my God. That's, that's actually amazing. I didn't know yeah. that, that was a thing you could do. <laughs> it's a crazy job. Um, and then I finished up my actual work at my dad's hydraulic shop just because it paid a little better than what I was doing. Um, and I had saved up a bunch of money from each of these jobs, losing them for various reasons. Um, and I finally took the leap of faith after having worked with Jacob with his channel for so long. We really taught each other um, kind of a mix between performance and writing because I wanted to be a writer when I was younger and he was a theater performer when he was younger. So uh, our, our collective introduction to Dungeons and Dragons was a huge learning experience for both of us kind of together. And then when I took that jump from his channel, I also quit my job and uh, just went full force with two or $3,000 in the bank saved up from all these minimum wage jobs. And I got super lucky. There are plenty of people who are way more talented and way better at what they do than us, but luck is yeah. such a huge part of what, you know, the, the industry is about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't take away the hard work that we do, but at the same time, there are so many people who are, you know, like, way more deserving yeah. but it's like you just gotta you're just kind of gonna step on them and just accept the yeah. the fame and the the kind of glory that you might get when you um, do get lucky uh when you have faced like controversy or adversity at, uh younger with smaller jobs you really have to fight off that imposter syndrome because you've always mm -hmm. been taught up until this point that you don't deserve anything better than what you work for and then when it just blows blows up out of your own really it's just luck you're like why why me why did why did this happen oh absolutely i i think that you know even even the most professional even the people who are making millions of dollars doing you know like writing and everything like that they're still going to feel that pang of guilt you know yeah. like, why me like why did i get you know the the money as opposed to someone who should be more talented or more famous you know mm -hmm. but i i think that's just kind of part of how creativity works right like for all time yeah, it's really just what catches on. And I think as long as you are creating content that you would like to see someone else make, then there are going to be like-minded people that are going to flock to your content as long as you're not making like panhandling stuff. Yeah, I, I think one of my one of my biggest, uh, you know, like inspirations in this sense is uh, Tom Waits. Like no one would listen to his music except for like the 12 people who supported him. And then when, you know, but he's had such a strong, amazing career for hmm. so long now and it's like yeah i'm gonna listen to swordfish trombone again because that song's amazing and you know why not and he's like he's just a weirdo but he has enough people behind him where he's got a following and that's i'd rather do that i'd rather yeah. be like like doing something that i love and like you know that then famous yeah it's really interesting when you get to do something you love and then suddenly the fame sneaks up on you and you just get disoriented and overwhelmed yeah, I, I very much understand that. <laughs> Speaking uh, of that inspiration, um, when you so you're producing a ton of videos all the time, and you're also it seems like working on a book. How do you yeah. keep yourself um, motivated to continue to produce content? Because I feel like that is a difficult Ooh. thing when you're trying to put something out every week. Yeah, sometimes it's even less than every week, especially uh, <laughs> the end of last year. That was definitely a hurdle to jump over. And honestly, I don't really have a a good easy answer for that question. I just write up a bunch of video ideas. And then I think for the most part, it's because I don't make content entirely for me. It's kind of a catch 22 the way that you describe it. But I make content 
so that other people can learn and that other people can enjoy the stuff that I took the time to learn. And yeah. I think as, as long as I'm more focused and more centered on the people who enjoy it and less on uh, like making it perfect, making it exactly what I want it to be, then it's a lot easier to kind of have those little failures with uh, small like spelling errors and stuff here and there and then just move forward to the next one immediately. Oh yeah, because if you if you try and do something until it's perfect, you'll just never produce anything. That's the other. Yeah, that's I other personally thing. know a lot of musicians like that. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of that, in one of your building, uh, one of your videos about world building, you talk about how you spent six years working on a on a setting. Yeah, uh, was that correct? Oh, I was curious if it was that one that it was referencing to. Yeah. At what point did you know that you were like, all right? There's no more details I could possibly write. Or was it something where you're like, oh, no, I could either do it now or spend the next 20 years writing something? Yeah, uh, I, especially it's the way that I've heard it referred to as is a paracosm, which is just like a fake cosmos that you create and you get to nurture. And um, I think once I had the overarching story and all the deities, kind of the groundwork laid out, Everything else was just, what, do, what would I want to see in a fantasy world? And I just keep building that. And as I'm changing as a person and evolving with what I am interested in, I keep reforming and rewriting or adding uh, things to this world. And a, a lot of the thoughts aren't fully formed. Like I could revisit them and actually flesh out this town, or I could just rely on improv to kind of explain it. But I don't think I'll ever be done writing uh, the world setting as a whole. I think that's really important to kind of acknowledge is that, you know, sometimes leaving big blank spots is important just because, you know, you never know where you're going to end and having some place to go back to that's a blank canvas for you to come back to is like, oh, I've got a good idea and it fits yeah. kind of somewhere around here, works a lot. Um, and, and speaking of the world building process, what does that look like for you? How does that normally work on your end? So a, a lot of the templates that I've made are just... Uh, based on like me doing research for a world that I was building. Like, okay, if I wanted to make a non-player character, if I wanted to make a settlement, I'm going to go and do all this research to see how that happens. And then I step back and kind of have an abstract perspective on it where it's like, okay, why do I personally think that this is happening to this group of people? Like why uh, is a farming town different than a lumber town or a mining town? And what would that look like for the people? And then just a, a lot of consideration and research on what is what happens in the real world and how I can parody it or kind of shift it like clay to make it my own. So a lot of it is not quite comedic, but it's a lot of parody work where I look at something real and then I make it my own. Uh, but when you say you do research, what kind of research does that look like for you? Is it like mass consumption of media or is it like I go and hit the history books really hard or? Yeah, what's your what's your genre of inspiration? Yeah, that's kind of important. You know, like, are you more on the sci-fi, more in the fantasy? Like, what do you what do you prefer? I like to, I was raised in a very, very religious uh, family, especially on my mom's side. And my dad's side's a bunch of Westerners and alcoholics. So it's it's an interesting upbringing for sure. But um, I think religion has always had that fantastical angle. So I really look at like why these people hold these beliefs and where they came from. And then I basically reverse engineer a lot of folklore or threads that I see people repeat, kind of looking back on history as it repeats itself. And I um, 
just make a kind of a bulleted list. I make a template for myself based on all the research that I'm doing. I look at um, Wikipedia articles and then I roll, I scroll through like all the references that they do. And I make a bunch of like simplified notes, like maybe why did this person think this in history or why, why did this exist? And I try to answer those questions for myself. And those answers are usually the building blocks for what I end up making. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, religion is such like a, a rich tapestry of mythology and you know a lot of people think yeah really i mean i mean not just not just you know the the norse and the you know greek mythology but like contemporary like abrahamic religions are also have like a really deep mythology i mean if you've ever played it's very surprising yeah absolutely uh if you've ever heard of the game blasphemous that is actually (laughs) really steeped in like catholic mythology and a lot (laughs) of the in like it's it's really fascinating to see what you can do and like when you take the core concept and then just twist it a little bit. That's why we have the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was going to say, I could just feel the guilt when I was watching a Let's Play of Blasphemous. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this takes me back. Yeah, but but that that's actually kind of what I like about your work that you've been doing recently, like that that video that you did on the Golem. And, you know, a, a lot of people, they think Golem and they think, oh, it's, you know, an auto- and it's, it's basically an automaton or it's like a, yeah, oh, like a wizard a made it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 you know, when you go back and you look at the actual lore behind it, it's I think it's adds so much more to know what's behind it. I mean, I think if you're using it for RPGs, it's a much richer way to kind of yeah. draw a story from. It's really interesting, uh, especially just reading through everything about the golem and the first guy who created a golem and was given the Hebrew title Master of the Name. That was so cool to me. Yes. And it made me think back to when I was doing research for the video about vampires and I watched the full Castlevania Netflix series like twice. (laughs) And the, uh, they have some like sorcerers and some spellcasters in that and the culture that, that they, that they fabricate in that series and possibly in the original lore, I'm not too familiar. Um, it's like oral history is what they do. So it seemed there's definitely a connection there between uh, the inspiration for that culture and the original Judaism and how they there was power in words and in names. It's really cool to look at. Absolutely. Speaking of when you're thinking about how you approach storytelling and writing versus um, you know storytelling and world building, say for RPGs, this is a question I feel like I want to ask a lot of our guests as they come through. What do you see as being the differences in either approach? Like what special things you have to bring to world building for RPGs versus say um, writing when you're creating um, a narrative? I, I think that for the most part, improv is one of the heaviest things in role-playing games because you have branching paths because you're not the only person writing this story. You are presenting a setting and presenting conflicts and then the, the players are writing their own story. But when you actually write a narrative story, you get the chance to write it in reverse. You get to see the very end or the conclusion and you get to kind of pull back and see, okay, what's the causality? Why is this happening? Who are the people that sparked it? And you can pull it all the way back and then tell the story from the beginning when you already know the ending. Oh, I love, I love that perspective. It's like writing yeah. it in reverse is basically mm-hmm. the narrative versus like, yes, and for world building and yeah, RPG. Exactly. You never know where you're going to go in uh, role playing, which is oh. why I actually shifted my world to City of Mist. And I'm giving my players more control than I have over the game. So yes. it's it's going to be an interesting development for sure. Oh, I I uh, I played a City of Mist game fairly recently, and man, that is 
that is like such a departure from Dungeons and Dragons and that style Absolutely. of game. It's 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 really freeing in a lot of ways, though. I really appreciate it. Before we pivot over to the world build jam, uh, I believe that you have a Kickstarter that's going to be coming out soon. Yeah, uh, that will be coming out on the 17th of, I believe, this month, if they're hearing it accurately. Uh, that would be Stibble's Codex of Companions. It's uh, something that I've always enjoyed in every game that I play. You know, you always want to get like the best familiar. You want to get uh, like an animal companion or something. In a lot of like top-down games, I always like to play summoners, where I basically excessively expand my tiny army, and then I sit there and do nothing and let them kill everyone. It's mostly fantastical beasts, and then I'm going to be revisiting a lot of actual like creatures in the real world, how they gave cats nothing, they gave octopi just a couple things. I really want to revisit them and expand on these creatures and kind of give them the justice that they've been denied in the, the uh, Monster Manual. That is because, really true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they're yeah. all so simplified. So it's basically going to be a monster manual for low challenge rating creatures. Oh, and that's kinda, awesome. Yeah. The, uh, the catch for it is that everything in the book, every single monster, is going to be something that you as a uh, wizard or a warlock can have as a uh, familiar. familiar. That would definitely spice up your horde spells for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. and... Um, I'm going to be adding some feats, a lot of spells and stuff that allows other classes and other players to get that little pack to the chain benefit yeah. where you get slightly better familiars that don't have one hit point and do one damage. I, I, I want people to be able to kind of express themselves in more ways than just their character. Yeah. I mean, there was that one campaign with uh, the familiar or animal companion that was a horse and it was the strongest character oh. in the setting. <laughs> It's got so oh, much boy. strength. I don't know why. <laughs> all right. That's great. Uh, all right. So uh, people can look forward to that Kickstarter coming out on February yeah. 17th. And uh, let's go ahead and pivot over to the World Build Jam. So for those of you who don't know, uh, including Logan, uh, the way that this works is they're going to roll some dice. It's going to randomize the type of genre, the type of subject, and the theme that we're going to be creating. And so what you're going to hear next is me rolling for that. Uh, first right. is going to be the flavor. All right, so I rolled a two on our genre, which means that it's going to be good old fantasy, which is definitely more you know, my kind of style. Next, we're going to be in the subject, which is going to be either an item, a monster, a place, a historical figure, an event, or we have to roll twice and combine them. So I'm going to roll that now. I got a monster. So we've got a monster in a fantasy setting. And then we have the theme, which is going to be between madness sacrifice, love, metamorphosis, pride and honor, the unspeakable, triumph and hope. So let's go ahead and see what we get here. I got an eight, which is hope. Ooh. All right, so we've got a monster in a fantastical setting with a theme of hope. Logan, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right, so what I kind of like to do here, especially with um, kind of template topics is I recheck the definition of the word or the topic. So hope is a feeling of expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. Hmm. And I assume the subject of the monster would be, um, is this the, like the center of this story or is this the, uh, the antagonist? Well, that's, that's entirely up to you because okay. as soon as we finish building this monster, we're going to have a twist, which adds, you know, which just obviously throws in a twist that can kind of, 
make everything go just sideways. ass up. Yeah, yeah. go sideways, okay. absolutely. So it'd be really easy to go classic here, make the monster the antagonist, and say that hope is the theme of just the general story that's about to unfold. I'd kind of like to reverse that and go with maybe a Beauty and the Beast kind of style of story, where the monster is the one that's hopeful for something to change about itself oh, or no, situation. I like, that. I like that idea a lot. Almost like a Frankenstein, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, well, let's let's monster. go ahead and kind of, I mean, do let's, uh, we were talking about like kind of a religiosity earlier. Why don't we go ahead oh. and add like a, a, a sub theme of kind of faith or something like that we can add in as well. Maybe the monster is damned and wishes to be not damned. Oh, that's kind of interesting. We, we have like a, an, an additional kind of like theme of redemption in some way where hope is something that they strive for, or we can go the opposite where they feed off of hope in Ooh. some way. Mm-hmm. If you want to do some oh, kind vampire. of yeah, I think well, we could actually we could do a, like a twofold there, where the creature feeds on the hopes of others for the sake of something that it personally desires. That's more than just survival. Oh, that's great. So, so oh, maybe the the maybe the monster's feeding. It, it wants love, so it feeds on the love emotions of others. Right, but what does it gain? Like, I, I like what you were saying, Logan. Where it's not just a matter of yeah. survival; it's a matter of like. What, what does it get out of it? Is it ascension? Is it, you know... Yeah, because if it feeds on the hope of others and it wants hope itself, that's kind of a catch-22. That definitely falls into tragedy. Uh, yeah. I think if we're going for hope, we want the the opportunity for a happy ending. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do we get a happy ending out of this monster that may or may not feed off of hope? First, we need to figure out what this monster desires, kind of its, its goal, its stake in this story. Uh, no longer be a monster. No. Oh, oh, yeah. That's not, yeah. Uh, Full Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that, yeah. To go back to what you were saying earlier, vampire werewolf had the cure for it. I, I kind of want to stay away from the classics if we can help. Yeah. It. But um, I do like the idea of a cursed being who needs enough hope to kind, or, or maybe that's why it feeds off of hope, is so it can reverse the curse. Or become, can we kind of? go in my storytelling direction and make this thing a deity. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so is this is this a fallen deity or is it a deity that's being reborn or? Well, you gave it a, a damnation, something that it wants to escape from. So yes. let's definitely make it a disgraced deity. Oh yeah, absolutely. There we go. Um, and maybe it's now it's, it's it, Okay, let's say that it's like been forced into this domain of feeding on hope and that's not what it wants. Like, yeah, b- because they're personifications of ideals, and if this is something like that, it soaks up and destroys hope. Maybe it's I don't know, hopeful that it- it'll get a chance to get out of that, or maybe it it feels like great mourning for the people that it steals hope from. I like that idea a lot. That it's starting to sound like the depression monster. It sucks up hope because it's hopeless. Yeah, I- I'm also <laughs> thinking that there's some kind of like brother or sister deity to it that has kind of put it in this place if we're looking at like greek tragedy oh, or something forsaken. Like that. Yeah. yeah 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 it's like maybe maybe this is once a paragon of good and after some kind of a tragic feeling or something like that it's like hey we're going to make sure that you feed off of the hope of your followers and it's be- going to become a resource for you but if you gather enough of it then there is some way that you can break free of this kind of cyclical nature and then on top of that 
you can also add this thing where it's people kind of shy away from this God deity thing now because it doesn't want, like their followers have lost faith in its. I mean, maybe what it has to do in this damned state is to give hope to others because if it feeds on hope and it, yeah. it, it makes them hopeful and that's how it can return. So what, what I would like to do here is because it's clearly disgraced by a foe or by another deity, what we need to do is figure out that deity's motivation for disgracing and kind of damning this deity. So do we make it like a false ally turned enemy, maybe a competitor with the same goal that this deity originally had? Maybe it jealousy. could be something. I, I was thinking yeah. jealousy as well. Like just make it so, real simple and just be like sibling rivalry or like something it covets within this, this now disgraced deity. Okay, let's, let's make this a succession story then. Oh, I like that idea. Where so it's is it a father son relationship that type of thing that we're dealing with? No, I th- I think we'll make it just kind of like a um, uh, chasing for that domain, kind of like how Vecna oh. became the god of lich solely by ascension, or how Talos kind of became the savior of his mm. people in um, Elder Scrolls mythology. Yeah. So let's say that there was originally a deity who had a wider uh, field of domains where he governed both uh like the the achievement of hope and the loss of it the the absence of hope and when he died these two deities were forced to fight over uh, his the two sides of his domain and so is this so this this kind of is everyone following me so far yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so so this god is so this enemy god is now um the it's, god it's of hope sin- yeah, this god of hope, and it's split the domains in two. And so, is there like a dichotomy between them, or is it a matter of I've stole this enemy deity has stolen the domain from the now disgraced deity? That last one, I think, okay, is kind of what we're going for. Understood. I yeah. think this is a good place to add a twist. So let, I'm going to okay. roll the die, and we're going to see what happens. Uh, there's there's too many of these for me to actually go over, so I'm just going to go ahead and roll the dice. Uh, so it says family gets involved. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of already going in a, yeah. in a, in a close direction, but let's go ahead and add like a third party to this. And now, um, if they were siblings, maybe it's time for the yeah. parents to get involved. No, we'll we'll yeah. say that the, the father deity is the one of like the two sides of the same coin that is hope and the absence of hope. And, okay. uh, when he dies, his two sons get those two domains and the monster yeah. that wants to not be a monster is the one that got the negative end kind of ah uh, there we go the downside oh. kind of kind of like a hades story yeah, yeah. Like and, and if family gets involved let's add their mother maybe uh maybe we could make this like a um what's the first guy that killed his brother in the bible cain and uh, abel yeah yeah cain, cain and abel make yeah. this where the mother favored the one who got the the good end where the mom kind of ruined this fallen monster's chances at becoming the god of hope even though that's what they wanted Oh, wow. So, so let's go ahead and add in a mother figure who is maybe running a propaganda campaign on the mortal realm that is essentially stopping this monster from ascending into a more hopeful position. It's like classic Hera oh, maneuver. I, yeah. I, love, yeah. I, I love that you just involved the aspect of actual worshipers. Yeah. So we could, we could say that uh, this, this mother deity, uh, give her a domain. We'll give her anything. Uh, I don't want to go live, nature. Like, <laughs> Let's glory. Let's go with glory. Oh, glory yeah, okay. name. So then uh, we'll make we'll make her the goddess of glory with like a minor hidden angle to her domain that is also deceit. 
So she she gave basically sent messages to the followers in her church, her acolytes, and she win said, at any cost, lie, cheat, and steal. That's like yeah. the subterfuge aspect of it. That's so, awesome. so all these all these people in the world got this kind of like a fucking ping on their phone, like a message from <laughs> from this goddess that said, "Hey, this this deity is passing his power to his sons. I want you all to spread the message that this son is the one that deserves hope." Oh wow! Oh, that's great. And yeah. so now you can and you can play off either angle and you can either be pro monster, anti monster. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of angles you can create. No, no, but to touch back, I like it if the monster when it ascends, it be- still becomes big and powerful, but it's the god of false hope. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It, 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 oh, because that's fucking beautiful because yeah. it given false hope that it would be given the domain of of actual hope. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so go. good. Okay. There you go. I'm calling it there. We're okay. not going to get better because that's, that's fantastic. I want to introduce that God now. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Logan, that was awesome. Uh, thank, thank you so much for the God of false hope. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's and, my, my bread and butter. Yeah. All right. False hope? <laughs> oh, well, actually, a little bit. <laughs> Improv world building. Yeah, yeah glory. absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some real quick questions and just a rapid fire type thing because we're wrapping up here. Okay. Uh, my wife wants to know, is cereal a soup? I'm, I'm going to have to say Deep that that's a question that I ask myself every morning <laughs> and I have a different answer depending on the day. That's All great. right. All right. And uh, what games have you been playing recently? Oh boy. Uh, Minecraft. <laughs> and I actually got back into Hearthstone recently. And an interesting little detail here that that will help market myself is some of the artists that work on Hearthstone, that work for Blizzard, are actually doing illustrations for Stibble's Codex of Companions. That is an excellent oh, look familiar. Yeah, that's really yeah. That's fantastic. So it okay. like blows my fucking mind that I'm spending my free time playing a game that's been illustrated by people that I got to employ for a little while. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. awesome. That's really, really cool. All right. Um, and-, and then Breath of the Wild, my favorite game. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got. So have you been playing Hades? By the way, you should take a look into Hades. But I know about Hades. I played uh, all of Supergiant's other games. I, I do yep. need to jump back in. Hades is a very, very fan over here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh I, I love the world That's my of favorite. Pyre. Yeah. Oh my Pyre's god. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And they they have nothing on it. Like all all they have is the content in the game. I would love to sit down with the guy who created that world and who wrote it and talk to him about some of the mythology in it. Oh, it's so cool. Totally. All right. And we've got some other quick questions from Chris yeah. and Daniel. Go ahead. So uh, I really like your uh, basic series. Oh, I guess would you. be the best. Uh, have you ever thought about doing it for other uh, settings or categories like doing, and that's basically the Federation of Star Trek kind of thing? Um, it's not something that I've did that I've considered too heavily, especially with uh, Monster Origins. I was going to do mm. kind of like a, a, some folklore episodes of basically, but I think it would be fun to kind of delve into other people's worlds, like uh, Star Wars. Of course, I could do um, J.R. Tolkien. I, I know a lot of people oh, do Dark Souls. I think Mister Rex is kind of like my predecessor for my channel. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't yeah. watched a lot of, but I know he also started really heavily with Dark Souls. Yeah. So that's something that I'm definitely not ever going to say no to. But yeah. right now, I am kind of exploring a little bit of uh, mythology and folklore first. Awesome. 
a one sentence tip for uh, would-be fledgling creators, what, do you, what would be your piece of advice? Don't be afraid to adapt your content. Nice. Yes. I think a lot of people get stuck in a hole of like, well, this is what I'm really good at and I'm going to keep doing it until it works. And that's not always going to work because yep. you, you need to kind of evolve as a person and your channel should be to some degree an extension of yourself. That's, that's really great advice. Yeah. Uh, now, do you have any shout outs that you want to give out? Obviously your own, you know, your Kickstarter is coming out in a couple yeah. of days. Uh, besides that, do you want to give anybody else a shout out um, or plug? I'm working on a few shout outs right now just with uh, <laughs> the list of sponsors that I have. Uh, retrograde Minis, as you mentioned in the beginning, there are a lot of people who get super lucky and then you get to look back at the people who are more talented than you and think, wow, why do they not have what I have? I think Retrograde Minis was one of the biggest one, ones for me because they are incredible at doing pixel art and they reached out to me and did a full set of Tesseract characters just for free if I mentioned them. Wow. And I was like, you, I am still going to pay you for this because this is incredible. But yeah, uh, they're going to be one of the big ones. Of course, Jacob, uh, I know he's exactly the same size as me. He's got the same viewer base, but he really helped me get to where I am now. Absolutely. Uh, that's, and that's XP to level three. All right. His channel. Yeah. Yep. Um, right, I don't and- know. As I said in the beginning, I've kind of lived in a hole, so I don't know too many people. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Even if it's something like, hey, I've been listening to this podcast that I really like. You know, it's called World Build With Us. Something like that. Welcome out of the hall. Oh, um, uh, Flipping the Table is also a really cool little crew of guys. They invited me on for a one shot kind of like this. It was pretty fun. Awesome. All right. Uh, Logan, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and interview. It's been a lot of fun. yeah, and th- thanks for coming, really. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we'll hear from you soon. I hope the Kickstarter goes well. I oh, hope it you. like crushes every goal and every you know everything beyond that you think it would be. Yeah, we're, we're hoping for goal. exactly that. <laughs> Just remember us when you're famous. <laughs> yeah, uh. absolutely. And that was our interview with Logan from The Runesmith. Uh, guys, what did you take away from that interview? What did you like about it? What did you hate about it? Would you ever date Logan for real? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing, I think, was um, hearing his story of how he started from hopping around from jobs like we've all done and then realizing oh, yeah. I'm quitting these yeah. fucking jobs. I'm doing something cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we can. I think. Oh, uh, technical difficulties aside, I think we can all really appreciate the fact that, yeah, we've done those. all. We've all yes. done shitty jobs. I've done like literally every entry level position that's available. I was in food service. I was in a kitchen. I was in construction. What was your favorite shitty job? Those are things we should say. Favorite shitty job? Yeah. Well, favorite in the sense of like you hated it so much that you loved it that you hated it. Um, honestly, working at the pizza place is probably my favorite shitty job because the boss – because this is what happens. When you live in like a small town and all of the businesses are local – the owners are like super chill most of the time. Cause it's not like you have to fucking bother with corporate. Yeah. My boss would literally come up and be like, Hey Robert, how much, do you, how much time do you think it'll take for you to eat this entire bag of French fries? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like I probably like two minutes. And oh they're like, God. all right, bet 10 minutes or two minutes. Who's got the $10? Oh, Who's wow. got $10? Wow. And then so we'd be like, Oh God, I gotta eat this whole bag of French fries now. <laughs> I don't know. That happens so often in every food service. Yeah. Like, that is where the cinnamon challenge came from. Oh, of course. What? Where do you think I ate an entire spoonful of uh, thickener from? I worked at a. Oh, I worked God. at a, at a, at a at an assisted living facility, 
and there are people who can't drink liquids. And so you add thickener to it. I was a dietary aid. Uh And then I lost a bet and I took an entire spoonful of thickener and put it on my tongue. (gasps) My tongue was desiccated. I mean, like the driest my tongue has ever been. It was the weird. Don't do it. Don't find it and do it. Actually do it and find it. That's kind of fun. I was, uh, by the best of a waiter's ability, waterboarded. And (laughs) also, uh, yeah, because it was just like, come on, it can't be that hard. And it's just like that moment in Archer where you're just like, (laughs) wow. But also, uh, I have a scar on my hand from where we played a game of who can keep an ice cube and salt on their hand the longest. Oh, because oh, no. you burned your hand. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. It's a terrible yeah. chemical reaction. Listen, on slow days, slow days at a retail place, much better than slow days at a restaurant. Slow days at a restaurant, you're just doing dumb shit all yeah. the time. Or, or if like a food order comes back and it's like, all right, we got this half burned pizza. What do you want to do with it? I'll eat part of it, I guess. <laughs> like that's, and you, that's just what you did. And also, like, uh, how many boxes can, like, how fast can you fold boxes? And, or I had the record of how many, how many large pizza boxes I could hold at a single time. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. it's just dumb shit that you do. So yeah, pizza place for sure. Was My- yours when you worked at Universal Studios? Well, there was the bleeding into the lemon slush cart because they handed <laughs> us a, like a, a chisel with no handle. But my favorite was probably when I worked the twenty four seven Dunkin' Donuts. Oh with no. the, My boss was an ex convict. And oh, the other fun fact about sense. Dunkin' Donuts is sense, that yeah. the vat that they make the glazed glazed donuts in, most of the employees were like, "We don't need gloves," and they just stick the donuts in there with their bare hands. Oh, so god. remember that when you go to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh god, I haven't been to Dunkin' Donuts in forever, and it will haunt me. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I yeah I'm glad. Uh, oddly enough, uh, while I do love a lot of my food service jobs, Sandrine's has a very special place in my heart because uh-huh. the, when was, you got ran out from being a fucking thief. Whoa, 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 what? Allegedly. No, no, no. That was Stodad's. Oh, okay, okay. Or Stoddard's. Stoddard's. I mean, I wasn't a thief. I stole no one's knives. Stoddard's is awesome, though. I love that place. Yeah. Uh, I've been once and it was decidedly okay for me. You bitch. Treachery. Uh, You weren't working there? I don't know. For all I know, I went downhill. I ever saw you there. I could have. I was in the back. If you oh, saw me, you're okay. in the wrong place. In the wrong spot. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Daycare. I I I love daycare. I've been I've been a volunteer at many daycare places. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to be a big brother. I was paid and approved by the state. Oh, I wasn't. I I volunteered every time because I I started doing it as a community service thing for a class and then just kept showing up because I'm like I love it huh. here. It was super fun and obviously like it like the the daycare field is so like is so uh female centric whenever there's a guy the kids are like oh my god oh my god i can talk about trucks with you like stuff like that yeah i mean all this to say is that we appreciate logan your trajectory yeah more more than anything else and also uh i i genuinely appreciated the world building jam that we had i love the god of false hope Uh i think that's a really cool fun concept uh what about you chris anything else you want to add no, I, I, so that'll be this episode. <laughs> I was gonna say, check out his channel. Uh, check out his uh, his game Tesseract. Yeah, I have been listening to that since the episode, and it's been pretty good. So you want to definitely check out his Kickstarter that's going live soon. Support Logan. Support the Rune Smith. And yeah, that's that'll do it for now, I guess. Uh, remember that here at World Build with us, we love you very much, and we will see you next week. Good night and good luck. Just gonna edit that part. Damn it!